welcome to the Chronic Assistant Principals Podcast. This is episode number 11. Um, we're taking you through one year of our life as assistant principals at a large urban high school in the southwest area of the country. Um, and also coming along with us now is um, Title IX. And so let's go ahead and start. Coming along for the ride, Title IX. Yeah. I love this podcast. It goes all the way up to 11. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just don't even say anything. It's sustained. When we bought this stuff, I don't know if we'd get to two or three, but we're at 11, so yeah. that's pretty impressive. We're almost done. We're actually going to have to do 13. What? Well, because if we do next month, it's going to take us and recap April, but we wanted to recap, you know, like the final end. Which is at the end of May, the beginning of June. Well, they didn't do a final end of Firefly, and so you know, know. just let people hang. And they played the episodes in the wrong order. <laughs> you a fan of that show? No, but I, I've seen that before. I yeah. think in like three years we'll come back and do a mini series just to tie things up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where are they now? Yeah. Where are they? All in the same spot. All fired. Yeah. All in the same spot. No change. No change. All right, so you want to start us off with your favorite segment? One of the first things that I did want to uh, go over, and and, uh, PhD was definitely involved in this, but um, we both do bus duty, and so we're sitting out at the bus area, and kids are loading buses, and we probably got over 1,000 students at this, and we load 25 or so buses. Almost 30. Almost 30 uh, during that time. And so all of a sudden, we're loading buses, and... I noticed that this pickup truck comes into the bus lane and it just stops. And so that's kind of a, a weird situation. And then the door opens and this guy comes out and I'm like, okay, radar's up now, you know, cause something might be going on. And then PhD goes, you know, walking over to him and I'll let you pick up from there. Because, because the entrance to the bus lane is clearly marked. Buses, buses only. only. Right. Now that doesn't keep the, cause people generally think, that that doesn't pertain to them, as rules go, right. you know. So we're constantly having to turn them around, and they're almost getting hit by the buses. But I digress. This gentleman pulled in, jumped out of his truck, and was clearly upset, wanted wanted a piece of my ass. And I, I didn't know why, because I had been good that day. I had not been a jerk to people that day. Um, and, and he starts yelling at me and waving and... He wants to go through me and get to the bus that just pulled in. So he says um, that the bus driver on the bus, he, he's going to kick his ass because he flipped him off at, at, a, a bus, uh, at the bus stop right before he, he uh, got to our school. <laughs> and so I'm having to stop him. Hey, no, you can't do that, sir. There are children loading the school bus. And uh, he's trying to go through me. And so finally, you know, I tell him, look, you cannot go up to that bus driver. And uh, at, and then, luckily, you know, you're a big guy, so you, you, you start doing what? Coming to help you. Yeah, and so you start unrolling your sleeves because, you know, there's, there's going to be probably some business. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and at, at first, you know, you think, okay, maybe this guy's coming out of his car because his son is at the bus area. Yeah. And, and sometimes people don't realize it, and so, you know, they try to pick up their kid or whatever, and we, we tell them where they can, you know, go and that. Where they can park, sorry, not where they can go. Yeah. Because we, we're thinking where they yeah. can go. Yeah, I'll tell them where they can go. We can possibly tell yeah. them where they can yeah. go. But yeah. anyway, so um, then 
when he started, you could tell that it wasn't for a student. And I mean, I could not imagine, you know, as the students are loading the bus, the guy getting on the bus and, and having chaos out there. But it wasn't the first time that we've had a, we've had an issue. Last year, I think we had an issue between a high school senior mm-hmm. and a bus driver for a road rage type and, of and incident. And the driver actually resorted to coming to us yeah. and pulling in, the, and the student followed. And um, so he was upset at the driver, you know. Where's that gonna get you? Nowhere. Nope. Very. Yeah, that very was that was uh, fun, you know. Mm-hmm. And all the kids are looking, and you know, there's about what fifteen hundred kids watching this uh, yeah. big, uh, older, fat ass trying to kill us. Well, I didn't even know what we did wrong. Yeah, it wasn't us. He was at first. I thought he was trying to return a library book. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably it. Yeah. It was probably the harassment from Title yeah, he, Nine. He was, right. he was clearly the pick poster child of literacy. Yeah. Did, did not yeah. did not believe in reading. I wind him up and send him your way. <laughs> he, was, he was very articulate. Yeah, yeah. I know another thing that um, starts to occur at this time is we end our nine weeks, and so of course we're on four nine week sessions. And we finished our third nine weeks. And so when we start looking at that, we focus on attendance and we focus on grades. And you get the the senioritis type of mentality. And so I know I have roughly 125 seniors in my part of my alphabet. And 28 of the 125 have been called in because either they were failing a core class, which was a class that everybody needs to graduate. Some were failing a non-core class. You know, so if they fail that, they can still graduate, but they graduate what we call minimum versus what we would call, you know, a recommended or a four by four graduate because they did not get their fourth year of math or science. And then, of course, we have some students that are struggling coming to school. And so they're over the state limit in terms of absences. And so it's a it's an interesting process because you have to call them in. And especially if they have absences to a lot of classes, because you create a plan if the student is going to go minimum, you get the counselor involved and you say, okay, if the kid's going minimum, what classes do they need to graduate? And they usually say these two. So then you take how many hours over they are in those classes and you make sure that they make up at least that many hours to give them credit for those two classes. Uh, your freshman, sophomore, juniors, you know, you go through that process when the school year's over because you have the summer to, to get caught up and everything else. But with your seniors, you're going through that process now. And so you're looking and going, okay, this student needs two classes to graduate, but there's seven absences over the limit to where they would not get the credits to graduate. So now you're having them do tutoring. You're having them do Saturday schools to make up those hours. And then so you're saying, okay, here's step one. If you want to just be minimum, here's your plan. If you want to be recommended or four by four, now you need, say, hypothetically 18 hours of makeup because of the absences and you need to pass a class where you've got a 50 in right now. So you're, we're sending emails to parents, we're doing different things to where, where we're learning them. This grade needs to go up 20 points and they need to be attending tutoring or uh, Saturdays to, in, to decrease those hours and they've got you know nine weeks left to get it done. But um, I, I just had a feeling that this year it seemed to me like it was the largest amount of students I've had. Normally I'll have like 11 or 12 it seemed like, but this year calling down 28 students that either, like I said, were failing a required class to graduate, failing a non-required class, but then us having to determine do they have enough credits to graduate minimum and everything else, or having attendance issues which caused a problem also. So um, very interesting 
type situation. Uh, do you have any thoughts or you've been doing this a little bit longer than I have in um, Title IX? I know for a while you were a senior uh, teacher. Uh, you guys have any input or anything you want to weigh in on this part? Yeah, I mean, I will say having taught seniors for about six years before I got into the library gig was um, it's amazing the difference between the kids' mentality and just their their way of going about things between first semester and second semester. And a big part of it, too, is uh, first semester, they're, you know, every, everything goes towards their rank still and their, their final GPA. And so... Um, having taught economics, which was a required course even for minimum graduates, you know, first semester teaching those classes was kind of a dream because the kids were still trying to, to bump up their GPA. Second semester, it's just a disaster because um, you'll have kids that signed up for an AP economics level class. And then they when the school year starts and they realize that that class isn't until second semester and it's not going to help their GPA they want to get out of it. And so what you wind up seeing is AP level classes that have like 15 kids mm -hmm. and then the regular level classes are like loaded. Yeah. Cause I was in a position once where I had like 43 kids in a class and it's like, here's your clipboard and a chair. I don't yeah. physically have any more room for desks. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And you know, you spend a lot more time with that second semester level class contacting parents, staying on top of their ass about things. And, um, I had once had a student that, you know, wasn't turning in work, wasn't doing things. And one day he just said to me, no, don't, don't worry. I'm going to go see my counselor and, uh, you know, it's going to be fine. And I had no clue what he was talking about. <laughs> this kid obviously thought that economics was not a required course for minimum grads. Cause he was like, I'm going to go drop down to minimum grad and things are going to be fine. And I just said, all right. I'll see you next week. Yeah. And uh, he comes to me the next week. And he's like, can I have all my missing work? <laughs> it's like, yeah. And so you, you have to deal with a lot of that. Just the misinformation that, that kids have in their head about how things are going to work. You battle yeah. with that a lot. Yeah. So. And, and as being a counselor, a former counselor, um, we go over that stuff beginning their freshman year. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're actually the end of their eighth, year, eighth grade year. They're not even freshmen yet, formally. And, uh, you know, it, it always amazes me that, that you get such a large percentage that A, don't understand the requirements for graduation, and B, don't understand the compulsory attendance laws that we have to deal with. And so, Despite the times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, and I know that, you know, twice a year isn't, quote-unquote, all of the time, but... Twice a year during discipline assemblies, we mm -hmm. discuss it. Yeah. And then anytime the student re, um, goes over the limit, we call them in. We send letters home. Mm -hmm. There's a thorough letter our district uses, which explains everything. Well, the district hits them. Right. And then we hit them again. Right. With our own correspondence. I know the district sends out a, a, a text message. Then they send out um, a formal letter via snail mail. Mm -hmm. um, they send out emailers. And then you and I do our thing where we send out our own um, inter-campus generated correspondence, right. letting them know. And then we meet with them. And, and still we get the parents to complain. So we get it from both ends. We get the parents to complain about it. And then we get our upper management coming down and saying, you guys aren't doing a good enough job. And, you know, BS statements like, well, if you didn't write it down, it never happened. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? 
That's kind of like one of those, it is what it is. Like, I don't understand that statement either. That was one of the biggest frustrations for me teaching seniors second semesters. Like, you felt like 40% of your day was doing your job, and then 60% of it was proving that you did your job. Yeah. Like, as if, <laughs> I, if I write that down, it's suddenly going to make it, um, you yeah. know, no. real. Well, and it's, it's always a shame, but it's the philosophy, even though of all of the stuff that we've added and different ways to alert people and all the technology, uh, a parent can still come in and say, I had no clue. Yeah. I've never been, I, I had no knowledge of any of this. And you ask them, you're like, is that your address? Yeah. Is it your phone number? Yeah. So you know that they're lying. Right. Yeah, it's it's interesting, but that was definitely something that that always comes into that that mix on those ways. And I just had one more thing, real quick, on this uh, monthly recap, and it's something that seems like philosophy wise has been changing a little bit. When I got into the AP world seven years ago, spring break was let's say a chance to maybe recharge your batteries a little bit. You might have had one or two days worth of assignment but you had the other seven days off. And so what had occurred a couple of years ago, one of the shifts that they had done was if you're taking your group on a trip, you could not miss more than two school days. And so if you were going to go to New York with the band or California with the choir, if you went during a normal school week, you would have to leave at least Wednesday after school. Um, so, you know, you'd have to get everybody organized, you have to get everybody to the airport, and so you'd either have to fly out extremely late Wednesday night, or you'd probably fly out Thursday morning, and then, so you would miss school Thursday, but then you would have to be back in school on Monday. You could only miss Thursday, Friday. So then you had to f do that coming back. So now you're planning a trip, but realistically, Thursday's a travel day. And then Sunday's a travel day. So now you're going to take a band trip to New York, but you're going to have Friday, Saturday as your two days on the trip because of, of your travel days and hotels and everything else in those kind of ways. So what they allow you to do is as long a trip as you want if you do it during a quote-unquote holiday. So then what started to happen, like the last two years, I've not had a spring break. Last year, I know it was tough, but I went to Costa Rica with our science group. <laughs> And you were exposed to Zika virus. I was exposed yeah. to yeah. anything and everything in the, yeah. that you would never think yeah. of. Yeah. But it doesn't make you a bad person. No, it, it, it makes you an itchy person, but not a bad person. <laughs> but so all nine days of spring break, I mean, I was on this trip. Yeah. And because they could do a nine day trip if we did it then. Well, this year I, I work also with the band, as, as some of y'all know. And so this year the band did a seven day trip. And so, I mean, I had, you know, two days off or so of spring break, but I had seven days that I was on a bus and we'll get to that in a minute with the, with the, with the band. But so what happens is we had two APs on extended trips. And so by having two of the six APs on extended trips, the other APs then had to start covering more games, more events that are occurring during spring break. And it seemed also like athletically, while it's spring break, so let's make sure we can get as many games in because it's a non-school week. And the fun never stops. And the fun never stops. So there was soccer games, you know, there was three or four JV baseball games, varsity baseball, you know, JV softball, varsity softball during that spring break period. And so I know like you were talking, you spent... One, one of my days was I, I actually kept office hours. I was like eight to five. I was gone. Watching... Watching girls softball. softball. All day. Yeah. Riveting. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, dealing with... Because uh, for the, the audience that doesn't understand why we have to go to these events, it's because to monitor the parents' behavior. Mm-hmm. Which is often poor. Tell us about your bus trip. I know you enjoyed that. Oh. Your, your back's never been better. It was... Uh... It, it, it was all right. It, being on a bus, I, I hadn't been on a bus for that kind of long since I was in college. Yeah, and we had taken a charter bus down to, uh, I think it was Daytona Beach back then, spring break type of trip. And I'll tell you what. Um, it's like that scene in Major League, you know, when they're trying to make the players all quit. <laughs> well, when I did my trip, when I was whatever, 20, 21, yeah. I remember I was, I was a city boy. I grew up in a large urban area and there was nowhere, we were nowhere near an ocean. We were near a lake, but we were nowhere near an ocean. It was and a I, big lake. It was a big lake. Yeah. yeah one of the biggest lakes in, in the United States. Yeah. But, in the world. possibly in the world. Yeah. But so, I had seen Jaws and Jaws 2 and all that, and I was no way was I ever, ever, ever going in an ocean. Yeah. I was going to spring break, and I was going to sit on the beach, I was going to go to the pool. Big shark to eat you. Well, <laughs> and I, Jaws was a damn big shark, yeah, man. He ate a lot of people. He ate a boat. He ate a bigger boat. He ate a boat. So, I mean, truly. And, um, but I got off that charter bus after 24 hours with all these college kids, and I mean, I ran like right into the water. I looked like yeah. Jesus running on top of the water. <laughs> I mean, I was full sprint. I ran into that water. I, mean, I was hoping a shark would have yeah. got me because yeah. I was done fried. Done. Yeah. And, uh, and then after about 20 minutes in there, something bumped up against me. And then I ran out <laughs> in a 4140 yeah. type of mentality. It wasn't a co-ed. No, if there was... If there was YouTube at that time, this might have been a hit because <laughs> my friends swear that my feet never hit the water. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, kind of mentality. So anyways, a 24-hour bus is a long yeah. time. And, and to make matters worse, uh, upper management a few years ago came out and said, you know what, when, when you go on these trips, you can't even take your spouse right, um, or, or any extended family, um, even if you pay for them. Right. Well, a couple, right before that ruling had occurred, and, and I guess it's for a couple different reasons, but I had gone down like on a band trip, and band had bought me a one-bedroom condo like they would as the administrator on duty. So, you know, we were down on, on a beach, and so I told my family, you guys drive down. We're not upgrading. We're not going to get a two-bedroom, a three-bedroom, or, you know, charge the band anything more than they would charge for the one bedroom condo that they were buying me anyways. And so they came down and they stayed in the one bedroom, you know, with me. We, we've got a, a sleeping bag. We did whatever we did, but it gave the family a free trip. And it's kind of, like you said, a little perk, a little reward, you know, bring your family down. And, but I did tell my family, I said, listen, guys, I'll be with you when I can, but I'm also, cause I'm not monitoring kids as the chaperones but I'm monitoring the whole big thing. So, you know, I've got my phone, or if I'm in the water, my wife's out at the beach, and so she can answer a call. Somebody gets hurt, gets broke, breaks their leg, gets bit by a shark. I mean, I can go assist in terms of getting them to the hospital or the urgent care, wherever they need to go. But if everything is going smooth, then I could spend time with my family. But as you said, this, this came about, and, and this year I was really sad because I had wanted to bring my son 
Um, I had vision four years ago when we went to Disney with the band that the next time I would try to bring my son along. And, you know, and I understand, okay, if something major happens, then somebody's got to watch your kid because you're having to deal with this other situation. But I, like I said, I, I guess some people... Who knows? Because they didn't give us a reason. No. It was just like, do this. And I, my guesstimates are that somebody either probably um, tried to get more like of a hotel room or tried to get their meals paid for and stuff like that, which really isn't fair to the, the school and, and the kids in the band or choir ROTC. Mm-hmm. Uh, my other guess, it sounded like that on the memo, it talked about that they could not... Uh, be part of like getting tickets. I think there was like that first phase before the second phase. And so I'm guessing that maybe like if a school went and did the Rose Bowl parade and so now the the spouse wanted or the family wanted to be at the Rose Bowl parade that they felt like they should be able to be there for free because they're part of the group. Mm-hmm. Or maybe if the group went to Disney, they felt like they should be able to get into Disney for free or they wanted the organization to pay mm-hmm. for their tickets and I, I mean I agree that's that's right wrong. it's wrong right but instead of just going to that person and saying hey look don't do this again right they now it's this like rule. and it's bad enough like title nine's dad was a AP so she she kind of yeah. has that perspective of what it's like to be a, a daughter of, of someone that does our job so she was like, well, I'll go ahead and let you speak. Like, Dad's gone. And- yeah. I mean, I I can't emphasize enough as the child of an AP how important it is for your kids to see what you do. Because if they don't, it's, it's you're, you're that person that's around for like three weeks in the summer. And it's like, here's your Father's Day card. I think you're the right person. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> I think you're the one, right? You're not yeah. an uncle? Okay. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when I was a kid, my dad would take me to basketball games that he had duty for. And, you know, and it was always a reward type of thing if I had all my homework done and everything. And I don't even, he'd probably get in trouble for doing that nowadays, you know. And um, I remember being in like fourth or fifth grade and dad went with the, a foreign language group to Rome and left my mom, you know, with myself and my four older brothers. And it was just like, wow. Mom, so. mom built up that But nowadays it's like, you know, now my mom's like, you know, you could go back to Rome if you want. Anywhere but home. Anywhere but home. I know with my daughter, like the one good thing out of this is she's in college. She has no plans to go into education. She does not like education, so hey, she's breaking the cycle of abuse. Whereas you, you, you kind of followed in your dad's footsteps, which is cool. Yeah, yeah but I mean, I, I knew. Yeah. That but you saw admin what was wasn't. On. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry, you're kind I couldn't of an steer you all away from it. Yeah. You're I mean, on the leadership. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. part of the leadership team. You represent team. the lead of academics. Yeah. Leadership. But you don't have to commit to a lot of those extra yeah. Yeah. situations. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that was, that's been a little bit of a shift that's occurred. And then, of course, um, Murphy's Law always fits in to me better than anybody else. I mean, you know, you go get a knee surgery and everybody's like, oh, yeah, two days later, you're up, you're moving around. <laughs> I get my knee surgery. 
and I see the doctor after 10 days and my knee's like three times the size and all the coaches and uh, my father-in-law and everybody's like, you know, it's arthroscopic surgery. You should be up in three days. So I'm up in three days. He's like, what are you doing? You had microfracture surgery. Well, of course, no one told us we had microfracture surgery. So then basically my knee replacement yeah, yeah, was, was a trash. I've, I've always had horrible, horrible, horrible vision. I mean, my thickness of my glasses was close to a 10. Um, we go and we do LASIK and you know everybody my wife's just sitting there and she goes the guy pops up after 8 seconds walks out next guy pops up after 8 seconds walks out they were doing your eyes for 44 seconds you get up and you run into the wall and because when they were doing my LASIK one of my the cornea or something sloughed off and I almost was blind it was I had cloudy milky vision they had to do steroids they had to do like uh, a mask so that no one would rub it or scratch it. You know, I took like, like a dog's mask. Yeah. Well, no, like, like a, a cone. Probably like a science. Okay. Like, like a science yeah, mask to like sleep goggles. with. Okay. Yeah, like with goggles so that no one accidentally poked you or whatever. But it was just like classic. I mean, she's like, ah, boom, 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 and then there's you, and it's yeah. it's like they're still working. It was like this is like they were drilling yeah. to the core of the earth <laughs> with that laser, and then you know you get out and you run right into the wall. She's like, oh shit, this ain't yeah. good. <laughs> Like, why did I marry this guy? <laughs> and then, uh, so then last year on the Costa Rica trip, we're in Costa Rica and everything's going great. And then the volcano spews the, the large amount of ash up into the sky and it cancels airport, um, it cancels the airport for like a day and a half. <laughs> Luckily, we weren't leaving at that point and it had gotten fixed by the time we left. And then this year, we go down to Disney from our location and it's pouring rain all the way down. And it's pouring rain while we're out, not while we're on the trip, but in our home area. And so as we're getting ready to come home, they say, well, the major highway's closed. <coughs> and so you've got to take a detour to get back home. Well, a 24-hour bus ride now is going to have to go almost up to 30 hours because we're going to have to go three hours out of our way. And three north northern north, days yeah. to get back down. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 I think PhD thing. was sitting on an airplane drinking coffee or something. No, I, I didn't. When he flies, I, I, well, the that's a nightmare, man. When you when you travel with kids, it's yeah. like you're always nervous. Even when you're sleeping, you don't sleep real well because no. the kids, even the best of kids, can turn into uh, Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde kind of deal. And uh, last thing you want to be. Is stuck with a bunch of kids at an airport. Well, and that's and that's true, right? I've done that. You've done that. I know one of our groups that was up in Washington D.C. They were coming back, and it was bad weather all throughout the the Midwest and everything else. And they had all their flights delayed. They had to try to drive to Baltimore to get to planes and everything else. And you're right. I mean, being in an airport stuck by yourself is one thing, but when you got 35 kids and you're trying to keep them all in an area. And when they go to the bathroom, you're trying to make sure they're safe. When they're going to get food, you're trying to make sure they're safe. A lot of weird people at airports. And they're bored out of their gourd, you know, all that kind of situation. It's like a mecca for weird people all over the world. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah. Okay, so um, let's Any, go, ahead, go ahead. Anything going on with Title IX in the library in March? Um, I, had, I had two interesting things that happened. Um, I had a, I guess you could call it an altercation with a student after hours. Um, you know, usually library closes at 4.30, you know, school gets out at 4.05, so there's a little bit of time after school for the kids to come to the library, and, uh, it was about 4.45 or so, I was, you know, shutting off lights, and 
uh, I hear this like intense rattling at the door and, uh, I'm, the kid saw me through the window and he's like waving frantically. And so it's a kid that I'd seen before. And, uh, I go, I'm thinking like somebody's bleeding in the hallway or something. And, uh, so I just opened the door a crack and he like tries to come in and I'm like, whoa, 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 we're, we're closed. What do you need? And he goes, well, I, le I left something at the computer and you know, this kid has, has some issues that I, I know of from seeing him in the library before. And I just said, well, I remember where you were sitting. I'll go check for you. And he goes, no, no, I, I have a benchmark running, which I'm like, what in the hell are you talking about? So the first thing I'm thinking is like, he was doing a benchmark test or something on the computer. And I just said, well, everything shut down. And he's like, when did you shut it down? At 4.30 when we close. <laughs> and so the kid is just like almost on the verge of a full meltdown. And he's like still, he's like blocking the door, won't let it close. And I said, look, I will be happy to go check that computer area for you. But you got to back up off this door and I'm going to close it behind me. And you're going to wait here. And so he's like, fine, just, you know, big huffy kind of thing and steps back. I go and check and there's nothing at the computer and I go back and he's gone. And so, um, the next morning brought it to an AP. The AP referred me to the kid's case manager and, uh, go to the case manager. And I explained, I was like, he said he was running a benchmark or something. Well, apparently this kid is very obsessive about computer speed and so he tends to run these like diagnostic tests on nice. computers. So yeah. he had been running this diagnostic test about the speed of our computers and he wanted to come back and check on it. So, yeah, so we were dealing with that. That was one of those cases where it was just like it got handled. But, of course, my heart was like beating out of my chest because <laughs> as this kid is having a meltdown, I'm looking down the hallway and it's just like tumbleweeds. There's nobody like, there. It's just me and this kid. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, dealt with that. And then after spring break, um, came back to the library and we noticed that a piece of AV equipment was missing. Um, and you know, I'm not the only human being with keys to the library. So for about an hour, I was frantically trying to remember, okay, did somebody come and ask for it? Like, and it, cause it was a rolling AV cart. So it's basically a bunch of expensive AV equipment on wheels, which is a perfect combination. And so, <laughs> so finally I just have to bite the bullet and send the email to the faculty saying, Hey, if anybody borrowed this, let me know, which kind of makes you look like you don't know how to keep up with your toys, but um, come to find out one of the custodians had borrowed it for an event over spring break on campus, but it was still over in the fine arts building. So I'm still waiting to get that back. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully you'll get that back. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and, but that's just kind of yeah. the way it is, you know, I'm yeah. responsible for all this stuff, but I'm not the only person with a key. So. Cause it's like a paradox. You, you lend things out, but then you also are very obsessive over getting that stuff back. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the frustrating thing was they didn't leave a note or even like Nothing. a funny ransom letter or anything yeah. like that. I had no leads to go off of. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So yeah. that was March. That's about typical. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're good. I, I apologize yeah. to Adam. I know. Yeah. Just no. Ahead. Yeah. It's all good. Our next category is our, our hot topic and um, title nine and uh, PhD are um, going to discuss our hot topic of the month. Because we thought, you know, March, it's kind of like, what's going on in March besides spring break for us? And one of the things that we kick off yearly is standardized testing. So I uh, wanted to go over some figures. I, 
don't I'm not a big proponent of standardized testing because my wife has done standardized testing grading for a major testing company and so I think it's a big sham because what will end up happening is the testing company puts out a standard um, but then if so many kids end up failing on that given standard they will go back and have her rescore and actually change the standard and I know like she was grading uh, written responses one summer and um, it came down to basically uh, only about 10% of the kids were passing the first standard and so they came out and said you know we're going to change it and it boiled down to if a kid had um, a complete coherent sentence with punctuation it was marked as pass um, it, 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 it could be word salad but if it had punctuation a noun and a verb uh, capitalization it was marked as pass so I think it's a big sham um, I, I know the testing companies literally make billions of dollars um, for example uh, nationwide, I pulled up an estimate that it's uh, about $2 billion per year. Um, now, tech, uh, our state that we are um, living in and working in, it's about middle of the pack per pupil per test uh, at about $50. But um, the most expensive area um, spends roughly $120 per pupil on um, every standardized test and, and they happen to have the nation's worst school system and that is um, Washington DC ironically enough um, annually our state spends uh, close to a hundred million dollars on t on our standardized testing I know our um, the estimates on that vary um, I know that the manual that we get which is a flimsy, it looks like a magazine, and that's being generous. Um, those cost roughly $20 a piece. Um, and our campus orders, our district orders more than what is needed. And so once that administration of the test is over, those things go in the garbage. So it's a huge um, investment in money. I think the idea is good uh, to have a standard that the kids can pass. And, and show that the public is getting a bang for their money. But right now, the way that it's structured, it, it's really just a sham. Um, thoughts on that? I can, I can say, I, you know, speaking to that idea of adjusting the standard, I just remember a few years back when they were unveiling all of these new tests that the kids were going to have to take, and we were going to increase the rigor and all that kind of stuff. And just looking at what the plan was, I remember turning to a teacher next to me and saying, what are they going to do when all the kids fail? <laughs> you know, and it's just... Because um, the state and uh, the public and, and the testing companies are in a, they're in a, in a uh, business arrangement. You know, yeah. so if, if you're spending uh, millions and millions of dollars on a test with a test company and you're getting everyone failing, you're not going to, you're, you're obviously going to change the standard because otherwise you're going to look bad. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and too, with, you know, graduation requirements and that kind of thing, this was something that I wasn't aware of until um, the timing of when I transitioned from the classroom into the library, we were about to 
um, you know, moved to this new standardized test. And so we had written the curriculum and increased the rigor. And I thought we did a bang up job writing new curriculum for our U.S. history classes and that kind of thing. But when I left the classroom, the idea was if they don't pass it, they don't graduate. And now there are loopholes mm. and things like that. Um, and I don't know if you guys can elaborate on that. Um, basically, if a kid doesn't pass the test, if, I'm guessing it's if you can show um, proficiency, Doc. documentation, and everything. Well, I think you went through a couple. I didn't go through any this this last year, but there was a thing where they had come up with an individualized graduation plan. Yeah. Um, PhD for our school goes down to the eighth grade and does the GPCs, which are called the grade placement committee, where there's, uh, you want to talk about that? Yeah, you're moving a kid up that's failed an academic course during their uh, middle school years. Or the test. Or the test. And, And most of the time it's that standardized test. And boils down to, you know, three or four people that have a stake in this child, including the parents, um, basically promote the kid on up to the next grade. So you don't have to pass the standardized test. Right. And, um, so and now, now it's come to us. Right. And so now that same thing is rolled uphill. And so as a high school, if a kid is a senior and they did not pass one of the standardized tests, you can run as long as they pass the others. I'm not as familiar with it as because I haven't had. It's one basically yet. a holistic assessment that, okay. to, um, without going into the details. You're going to take all the information that you have, and and basically the kid's going to be allowed to pass, regard regardless of the final outcome of one of those standardized tests. Right. And at the beginning, like um, Title IX was telling, uh, it was basically you either pass the test or you don't graduate. Uh, but now that's changed. You know, well, the rules always yeah. change. The well, there was always moving. I remember there was one time where there was 15 tests. That you were going to have uh-huh. to pass. Yeah. And then within each subject, so like the three math tests, you could even pass all three but not pass as a cumulative because if you scored like 71, 71, 71, you passed each subsection, but you needed to have like a 73 overall to pass for that final saying that you're proficient in math overall. And so that was a nightmare. And then we got to... Um, then that got dropped real quick from 15 yeah. to 5. And, and the proficiency is not like a 71%. It's basically, at the time when it came out, it's like something like 35. You had to get 35% of the questions correct. Right, to pass. Yeah, to pass. Right, but it didn't say it. It was based on some scale score. Right. They, so you, that scale score was 2100, so yeah. it made it look like it was a very rigorous type thing. If you told the public you're spending this money on testing... And if a kid passes 35% of the test, they get to move on. Yeah, it's so hard to understand. Like, yeah. I don't Try think, explaining that to yeah, the parents and yeah. how this whole thing works. Yeah. I tried, and they looked at me and kind of canted their head like a dog when you're asking, do you want to go outside? Well, I remember there was a, a very colorful chart that tried to explain yeah. all of it, and mm-hmm. it was just, no. Well, and then you moved <laughs> to where we had, what, uh, five levels. Mm-hmm. So you, if you could fail the test and be a level one... Or you could fail the test and be a level two, which meant you passed, you failed at a higher level, I guess. Like yeah. failure, <laughs> failure level one. So I mean, how about that? 31% or 33% is what you need. So maybe if you got like 15%. It's like being more pregnant. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so if you got like 30%, you were level two. If you got a 15%, yeah. you were like level one. But then if you, then they had level three, level four, level five, which were all passing and then, but higher scores within that kind of situation. And so I know that was something we were going to talk about next month too, but you go through that. And, and our district is a pretty good district yeah, overall. Of course. And our district was um, voted as one of the best districts in the United States. But you look and you go, okay, when you sit out in courtyard duty, when you sit out of bus duty, when you talk to some of the students and the parents about what goes on and you see that sometimes a kid gets about 50% of the material, but, you know, will pass on. And then you go, I wonder what goes on in a lower school district. Yeah. You know what I mean? If we're yeah. one of the best districts, and like I said, I mean, I'm blessed to be here, but I mean, I wonder if, because... I would consider us probably an average district. I mean, my guesstimate. I've not been to a lot of others, you know, in that way. But to say that if we're one of the best and, and some of the kids we got and all that stuff, I wonder how some of these other ones that are low performing, what it's got to be like to be there or work there. Yeah. And and all of all of the people, all of our colleagues that we know that we work at at our school, we work our asses off every single day. And we get pretty good compensation package mm-hmm. considering because the minimum for our state if you were to be compensated if you were working at one of those districts that you're speaking of or at a uh, rural type district I mean basically you'd be living at a poverty level mm-hmm. I don't understand how those teachers survive I mean they have to have a second job um, they have to be uh, you know clipping coupons they have to buy every Groupon that comes out I don't know how they do it Right, um, because there's some months where I'm like, okay, hun, let's break out the bologna and fry it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you and you're know, talking, yeah, you're yeah. talking between two educated people that the salary is over a, is six figures. Yeah, and and you still struggle yeah. to make ends meet, and so you wonder how yeah. others do. Yeah, I I don't know how they do it. So I think that's my opinion. Buy it or sell it, but testing is a big scam. I mean. Let's go ahead. Let's shit or get off the pot. Either we have a standardized testing, we keep the standard, or we don't have it, and we do it like we used to back in the seventies and eighties, and the kids turned out okay. And it's interesting because real quick, and then we'll move on to our last subject. But like I said, is if thirty-five percent or forty percent even is the standard to pass, you know what kind of workforce? Are we preparing? And then you hear these reports that, that there was a push years ago that every kid's got to go to college. Every kid's got to go to college. Every kid's got to at least apply yeah. for college. And then colleges came back and said, these kids aren't ready for college. Yeah. Well, now they're backed off to where, you know, we're going to start having workforce jobs again. We're going to start doing more vocational. Well, it's a moneymaker for the colleges because yeah. they got the tuition at least for a semester. Right. Yeah. But the kid might have been majoring in like uh, basket weaving 101, but hey, he was in college. Yeah. And so it was, uh, I think that's definitely something. Now, I, I want to segue because you made a comment and you said buy or sell. Yeah. And I know I was trying to see if you were leading up to our next section <laughs> or no, if this a, was I'm just, just a Freudian slip yeah. or whatever. Just but, yeah. um, <laughs> Sometimes the cigar is just a cigar. <laughs> PhD. Is that what that was in your mouth? I wasn't hey, sure what that was. Hey, hey, hey. hey, hey. Uh, PhD. A question from the box and, and remind us again on how the different ways that 
the listeners can communicate with us. Yeah, you can drop us an email and tell us we suck or you love us or you are just plain just a listener and it puts you to sleep. You can find us at chronic.aps at gmail.com and you can also connect with us on Twitter now at, at chronicaps. At chronicaps. And we have now around 20 followers. 20. Although some of those look like those ones that you get where the woman is scantily clad and it's like, follow me, I'll be your date. I don't know. Oh, I thought that was a real thing. Well, I, I, I would like to be. <laughs> I, I just thought that was your side gig. No, <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, I can use my teaching job. You're making me uncomfortable with this Twitter. Yeah. And I don't so, follow them back. No. And so the one question or one of the questions that we decided we were going to use this week was this question that um, somebody had mentioned that on other podcasts that they listened to, there was a feature called Buy Buy or Sell. And so they wanted to see if we would try at least one of the months to put together our own, what we would call Buy or Sell. So PhD is going to ask me in Title IX some uh, educational type questions, topics, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, you either buy it or you sell it. If you agree, you buy it and then why, or you sell it and you don't agree with it and why. So the first one is um, buy or sell. Extracurriculars have led to the tail wagging the dog in public ed. You go first, Tom. Wow. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and buy it. Why not? Okay. Um, I, I think that uh, it extracurriculars bring in a lot of extra revenue um, in terms of both publicity for the district. You know, it looks good when your extracurricular activities are doing well. Um, it it brings in extra enrollment in a sense. If you've got those magnet programs, it'll will bring things in. Um, I but I do agree that it's you know it's it kind of goes back to the standardized testing. I feel like. You know, are we educating kids or are we getting kids through education? And so oftentimes we use those extracurricular activities as a way of saying, well, this is why they come to school and this is why they're staying here. And so it, it kind of feeds this cycle of, you know, the kids aren't come. I understand that, you know, it's not going to blow your skirt up the idea of going to Algebra 1 necessarily, you know. And you may show up to go play basketball and you keep your grades up so that you can play basketball. But having been in the classroom, I've also been in that, that situation where the, the kid comes to you when they're failing and they say, I've got to be eligible. What can I do? And when they have done Jack squat, you know, and then you have that conversation and then you have a coach afterwards come up and say, I understand that, you know, they came to you, but you know, what can we do? And so you feel like you, you, you start to question what's the priority here. Yeah. Right, and I'll agree. I'll buy it also. And as an ex-coach, um, I think one thing like Title IX talks about is that you have to, and then what happens is, of course, with all the analysis, is somebody will go through and say, well, you know, seven extracurricular people failed on this campus and six failed from Title IX's class. So Title IX doesn't work with extracurriculars. That's the, the vision that goes on that. But in that same moral side of it, you know, you've got this kid that's gotten 10% of the work, and now ideally the, ideally the coach or the sponsor should be following up week by week. And then so after one week of not doing work, they get with the teacher, and then hopefully that fixes it. But unfortunately, some wait to the eighth week of the nine weeks or the beginning of the ninth week, hey, 
the kids got 42 missing assignments. What do we got to do to get them eligible? Well, you know, that makes an issue. And then the other part is, I mean, definitely is your, there's a lot of good to it. And, and I wouldn't trade it for the world because that helped me start in education and, and made me a lot of money. But is when you look at master schedules and everything else, it is impacted by um, athletics and it's impacted by band and this and that. When are they going to have their periods? And so may them having their classes at certain times, that really you, it limits how you can schedule everybody else. And so at a school possibly like ours where we might have seven or eight coaches in the social studies department and if they all need to teach in the morning because their athletics and their lunch and their conference is all in the afternoon, which makes it ideal for them because once they get out of the class mode, they change and they're in shorts and they're in the gym the rest of the day. Totally understand that. But then as that, other, as that department, the, everybody else in that department has to work fifth through eighth period. They all have to have fourth period lunch and then their conferences are being split amongst first, second, third, and then you can't really team teach and do things like that because Title IX has second period off, but the other coaches have seventh period off, but you can't give her seventh period off because then you won't have any classes at that time. So I, I agree. Yeah, and I'd buy it just for the fact, and, and this is some, somewhat different from you guys, I view extracurriculars as a, a way of um, polishing the kid off, mm -hmm. of making them a better person, of working on those intangibles that we don't address in the classroom. And, and I feel as though if you tie a coach or a sponsor's job to the performance of their team or club or uh, extracurricular activity, that that, has, that vested interest ends up hurting their program more because now all they're looking at is the kid contribution, the kid's contribution to the team or, or that activity and I feel like you just need to develop the kid and it's a, it's a means to an end, not the end so I'll go ahead and do that alright, next topic is um, buy or sell high schools must radically change physically and operationally to meet the needs of the 21st century learner <laughs> <laughs> wow um this is one that I should be like, bye, 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 because, you know, I'm in the library. I'm like, yeah, put some more money into technology and, and all those types of things. But I think overall I'd have to say sell um, because I feel like, you know, it's, it's one of those things. And I, I see it as a parent. I have a stepson at home and I've seen it as a teacher watching other people parent their kids that are my students. Um, I think we have this mentality of if we throw money at a problem and if we put a cell phone or a piece of technology in a kid's hand, like things are just magically going to change. But there are fundamentals there that need to be in place for, um, for things to actually move forward and to progress. Mm -hmm. So like I could have a library that's full of state-of-the-art equipment, but if you don't have a human being that's there to not only set the boundaries and the parameters for how those things are going to be used, um, but also guiding the kids on how to use those things effectively. Um, you know, when I taught economics, I used to tell my kids all the time when we talk about technology and the role that it plays within an economy, I would tell them, I could give you all iPads in this classroom, but if for 40 minutes you sit there and play Angry Birds, it's not going to serve a purpose for us. So um, I feel like if you're going to put the money into technology, if you're going to put the money into um, 
you know, if, if technology is the focus of, of raising up these 21st century learners, you also have to put just as much into one, teaching the educators how to use it, because there is that divide between an older generation and these younger, younger people that are being raised in a time where there were, was always internet and there were always mobile devices, but they're missing that piece of, you know, when I was in kindergarten, there was the idea of when somebody's presenting, you sit and, you know, you sit crisscross applesauce and you make eye contact. And now these kids in elementary school have cell phones, but nobody's saying like, okay, well we put away our cell phone. And, you know, and so I feel like that's coming, coming up the pike is, you know, that we're missing the etiquette of how to still respect people within a 21st century. So I'm going to say you, you can't just radically throw throw technology and without having the infrastructure and the, the fundamentals in place. As long as we keep a cookie cutter 2,500 um, student type person, I was talking with a teacher who was asking if she, if she thought there'd be another school built. And I mean, realistically, it would be helpful um, for the different people and, and the different schools. Some of these schools have 3,500 kids, 4,000 kids. And and you just, you can't manage all of that. One place north of us, 7,000 kids. 7,000 in one school. Yeah. And now, of course, that helps with athletics and that helps with extracurricular and band and everything else. Tail but, wagging the dog. But, I mean, I had a student the other day, and I'm ashamed to mention it, that was a student came in and I thought this was another student. And I was like, hey, John, what's up? And he's like, I'm not John, I'm Adrian. Yeah. yeah. And I said, how long have you been at the school? And he goes, all four years. And I had never seen this guy. Never, ever seen this guy in, in my entire four years there. And so that was just, um, it, it's, it's sad. But so going back to that, I think as long as we just keep making these massive areas, the kids need too much um, counseling. They still need too much in terms of growing up. They still need too much uh, help and, and things like that, that we can't treat it like a college, but we're going to make them like the size of a small college instead of making it more something that was is reasonable to where they can have counseling and, and other stuff available to them at a, at a better rate than 500 to 1 mm -hmm. type ratios kind of situation. Okay. Well, with that, we're going to look to bring this episode to a close. We'll be back next month with a recap of April with shit you would not believe happens in school. And we've Four, got some two two point oh. Yeah. Next <laughs> next month might oh, be a two hour podcast. Yeah, because uh <laughs> if only it was a YouTube podcast, because if we had pictures, man, it would go viral. If if you want to hear one next month, you the stuff that has been written down for that month of April is going to... Uh, I don't even believe it happened. No, I, I can't either. Some of, And it's some stuff that has never happened <laughs> in my 20-something years of education Yeah. and my seven years as an AP. You think you've seen it all. You have not seen it all or you've not heard it all no, until it you all. tune yeah. in next yeah. month for yeah. the April podcast. So, Title IX, any closing thoughts? Um... I, I can't wait for next month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're getting down to the end. Um, you can find us once again. Uh, email us at chronic.aps at gmail.com. Chronic, like chronic, dot aps at gmail.com. Not like chronic, but actually is chronic. Not the chronic, not the drug chronic. Yeah. Get your mind out of the gutter. So, All right, and and at Twitter, and at Twitter, Twitter people at at.
Chronic APS at Chronic APS. Follow us. Give us a comment or two. And we'll see you next month. Okay. Bye-bye.